Beyond the Headline with Aldrin Simpia, right here on SAFM. It is 19 minutes after 4 o'clock. We're in conversation next with Dr. Tina Nzo, local governance specialist at UJ and also an associate at Ndiso Consulting. So President Cyril Ramaphosa is set to amend laws surrounding the public service, that is the Public Service Amendment Bill, in a bid to fight corruption. The government has also set up an interdepartmental task team that will develop a register to track all public officials across the three spheres of governance who have been fired or dismissed as a result of misconduct. So, so far, 12,000 records have been added to the registry. The task team will conduct a review of disciplinary codes and track their criminal cases as well to help us unpack whether these interventions may prove effective and the concerns opposition parties have raised around accountability with ongoing investigations. We are joined by Dr. Tinanzo. Dr. Nzo, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. Good afternoon, Aldrin, and good afternoon to your listeners. What do you make of this intervention? Do you think it is the answer that we need? Oh, absolutely. Um, It's long overdue, Aldrin, Um, particularly taking into account that we're coming from a very sad, you know, period where we made so many discoveries under the state capture, where we were exposed, you know, to, to different, you know, cases and testimonies that shows how deep, you know, the the role of corruption, the role of, you know, conflict of interest, or should I say lack of management in conflict of interest and patronage really runs through both the political and the administrative spheres of government. So it's, it's, it's quite timely and it's very long overdue. Uh, from looking at what the proposal is from the president, how do you see this one work? And uh, in terms of the tracking as well, just the other day we were speaking um, to the Public Service Commission and uh, the question relating to um, the public officials doing business with government. And they said that they find it difficult sometimes to track these particular individuals and even to stop them even before the tender is awarded. So how would such a system be different um, and be more effective than what the Public Service Commission is currently facing? Mm-hmm. No, that's a very interesting point to make, Aldrin, because, you know, in order for you to to um, to bring in a system that takes a, a register of all public officials at the different levels that they are serving in, in these government institutions at national and provincial and also at local government level, you've got to support that system with an ICT-based system where you use technology that will draw in data, you know, from your various um, institutions, both public and private institutions. For example, there are many systems that other organizations are currently now developing out there. I mean, DSO is also thinking about, you know, developing systems similar to to these ones, where you draw in data, where you draw in data from home affairs, from your Department of Justice, from the police department, your banks, your deeds office, your CIPRO as well, to track, you know, conflict of interest, to track, you know, all these nefarious benefits that is happening, you know, around, you know, the ecosystem of your procurement um, systems that are happening in government. Because public officials, what we have discovered is that they are highly conflicted, particularly when they have, you know, relationships with people who are coming from the private sector, 
who are commissioned, you know, to, to provide services to government. And that's where you see, you know, all the dubious actions happening behind the scenes. And this is where I think, you know, ICT can play a major role. Having a register only will not help, but you also need a system that will give you real-time data, you know, a system that will, you know, be automated where it can pick up a senior government official who has not declared his country, I mean, his interest in the private sector, um, whether it can be doing business with government or indirectly doing business with government, being represented by a member of family or a friend, you know, a friend or anybody who's tied with this, with this relevant company that's going to be getting a tender. Considering that the state is the biggest employer, um, and that is in any other country as well, um, do you not run the risk as well that perhaps maybe somebody has been fired for misconduct and maybe there's a level of repentance that has taken place? Um, Then you then isolate this person and say, because of your conduct, you will never be able to work for the state. Or do you say, um, because of the conduct as well as um, the uh, the sanctions that were meted out, therefore it means that for the next couple of five years, let's say maybe, or even 10 years, you will be barred from working with the state or working for the state? Um, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's a tough one in the, in the instance that you have to take into account that South Africa is coming from a terrible, terrible regime that has pillaged our state institutions due to corruption. And we've seen very little efforts being made, you know, by the judiciary, by the NPA, um, to call those to account by actually institutionalizing what we call, um, you know, um, your legislative um, reforms as well, and also making sure that those who are guilty are prosecuted. So one of the ways in which, for example, the local government sector, they have tried by introducing the Municipal Systems Amendment Act, um, which was introduced around 2011 and 2012, where a certain clause had given the, the MEC for cooperative governance in a particular uh, province to actually um, bar municipal managers from becoming municipal managers in another municipality mm. if they were been found guilty of being involved in corruption or maladministration or malfeasance. But then, um, you know, this, 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 this bill proposed that this, you know, individual who had been found um, to be to be guilty of such should be barred for about 10 years. But then um, one of the things in which we also have to look at is the extent to which corrupt activities have had an impact on the state institution. Because remember, if you uh, are actually the accounting officer of a national, provincial or local government um, sphere of government, and you have been involved in taking away taxpayers' money by allocating it to a service provider who doesn't provide the clinic, who doesn't build the road, who doesn't, you know, build a school, doesn't provide the water services, like, for example, like what we had in the city of Tuane happening, then it means that you are actually um, negating what we have to stand for in in the Constitution under the Bill of Rights. So this is very serious and we have to take it very serious in the sense that we don't find individuals rotating around the system by actually you know getting away you know with impunity from facing um, their their um, their legal you know deviations that they've made in the system so it's very important that we need to think about that if we want to look at the various extents which individuals commit corruption 
Do you think it's possible to extend something like this to um, the political deployees? Speaking about um, the head of a the political head of a department, for instance, whether it is an MEC, MMC, or even a minister, because we know with the, with their appointment, it is the prerogative of the president, the mayor, or the premier. Uh, but sometimes you find that some of those officials or some of those ministers had been fired before. Um, but we don't know why they were fired because that information is not revealed to us. It's not being made public. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it would, it would take us a, a, you know, a further step um, in dealing with the, the political, you know, unethical behavior and corruption and also, you know, conflict of interest that, that certain political leaders have who are leading certain departments in the various spheres of government. And, um, of course, we do know that um, in, the, in the National um, Assembly, um, at Parliament, you know, if you find that a minister has been in, implicated, you know, in a corruption scandal, of course, um, they have to go through the ethics committee, where the ethics committee will obviously um, make an investigation and also go through SCOPA as well. But it's not enough because prosecutions is is something that, you know, provides public confidence in a in a public system where citizens are concerned that our our governance and compliance systems are not being adhered to particularly those whom we elect to become political leaders we provide them you know with a with a sense of confidence of saying that you will look after the public purse you will protect the public purse but then if you find incidences like these they um contribute towards the you know the lack of trust and the trust deficit that we are finding ourselves into so yes taking it to 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 that level would be most beneficial for society but again this is something that will need to be engaged at the public you know um, um, assembly where you get certain contributions coming back uh, coming from the different um, stakeholders in society thank you so much for your time dr tinanzo there local governance and uh, local governance specialist at the uj and also an associate of indiso consulting